It is Friday afternoon, and once again, we are talking wine with our wine expert, Tanya Tomaszewska, Strategic Business Advisor to the BC Wine Industry. Tanya, it's so great to have you back on the show right now. It's great to be back, Jill. Happy Friday. Happy Friday to you as well. It's been a busy, busy day, so I'm glad we're kind of winding down and talking about this. And I also love that we're taking a look at nobody is surprised when you walk into a beer or restaurant or a bar and you see the beer on tap. Not so often you see wine on tap, but that's changing. It absolutely is. It's kegger time. We are seeing more and more wine on tap out there on menus. There are a few different styles of kegs used for these purposes, but it's essentially all the same idea. Wine is poured into a glass from a tap using a keg and a line system like draft beer. So for example, one um, main format we might see in restaurants and bars right now are large stainless steel kegs. They're tall and cylindrical. They're about 19 and a half liters. So that would be the equivalent of 26 bottles of wine per keg. That's a really good storage size. Mm, yeah, definitely. Uh, what's driving this? Is there there's something about the wine in kegs that uh, people, either businesses or consumers are drawn to? There are a lot of different things going on in driving this. In my mind, there are a few central drivers right now. Considerations around packaging and consideration around costs. Let's start with packaging. In some ways, this ties into a discussion we had during one of your earlier shows about the types of containers and packaging which we can buy wine in these days. You know, For example, cans, bag and box, plastic pouches, Tetra packs. A lot of consumers and a lot of producers are thinking more about sustainability aspects around products which we are purchasing out there in the market. We're thinking about the mode of delivery that product gets to us. So for example, for wine, we think about the containers that the wine is coming in and how that container gets to market where we buy the wine. So for example, consider wines that are poured by the glass or the carafe for that matter in a high volume, high turnover scenario, such as a restaurant. Why does the wine need to be poured from a bottle when it can come from a larger format? Why not reduce the amount of packaging if the end result or experience of our wine in that restaurant bar is um, going to be the same? Um, so, you know, that's one of the drivers for sure. Um, remember also still on the consideration of sustainability and green um, aspects, kegs can be cleaned and they can be refilled. So by using kegs in large format, we can reduce the use of glass bottles. Um, you know, and again, as a very practical matter and something we've discussed on an earlier show, there's been a real shortage of glass bottles over the past few years in the global wine industry. This has resulted from supply chain disruptions, um, lengthy waits for transport, and more recently, the war in Ukraine. Ukraine is a major glass uh, global glass producer. So by being able to offer wine to market in different types of containers has really helped producers and wine businesses as they navigate these kinds of pressures that we're seeing um, in the current global landscape. Well, it all makes total, total sense. Uh, you mentioned costs as well. That's got to be a big uh, consideration here. These days, I think costs are a consideration for anyone producing any kind of product and market and getting it to the people. Um, so again, in the context of wine and kegs, um, you know, like other types of products in, in the market, not just wine, a producer, a product maker is going to be able to leverage economies of scale by offering a wine in a large format or, or you know, a bulk, if you will. So, um, for example, by not needing to use as many glass bottles, a you know, winery um, can 
put wine straight from its stainless steel tank where it makes it into a keg for transport to a restaurant or a bar without having to worry about all those other intervening steps of bottling, labeling, putting corks in them, boxing up the bottles, packaging them, getting ready to ship them. Um, it can be more streamlined and as a result, um, input costs can be reduced and you know these savings can be passed on to the customer. So that's just one example of um, you know the cost aspects and considerations of large format uh, wine kegs. Yeah, that sounds great. It makes a lot of sense on that front as well. So I think what everybody's probably wondering, does it taste the same? Wine can taste the same out of a keg. I've got uh, one example uh, before maybe we dive into, you know, different types of wines that we see in keg right now. But Recently, um, I was out at a restaurant having dinner with some friends in Vancouver, and I had a glass of Sauvignon Blanc. I knew the producer. I had a glass. I thought, wow, this is really fresh. It's really lovely. Um, I just, I know, I happen to know the winemaker for that winery. So the next day, I sent them an email and said, great, you know, I had your, a glass of your Sauvignon Blanc at this restaurant the other night. Really thought it was showing well, loved it. And I hadn't thought of whether it was from a bottle or a keg. I wasn't really paying attention, to be quite honest. I was just drinking the wine and enjoying it. And the, and the winemaker wrote back and said, great, thanks for the feedback. Um, you know, that was a special keg that we did for the restaurant. So I'm glad you really liked it. Hmm. Um, you know, I, I get to taste a lot of wine and I wasn't, you know, I wasn't scrutinizing it. And, and um, so I guess that's kind of my own anecdotal example of, um, you know, that they can be really, you know, wines show just can show just as well from keg. So I guess flowing from that, you know, what kind of wines are we going to see right now? Um, in broad terms, they are going to be more of the drink now wines. You know, we go to restaurants in general terms. You know, they're wines for for consumption with food. Um, I think wines coming in kegs aren't necessarily going to be the things that are meant to be aged for a long time. These are this is wine made to be consumed within a short amount of time, and not intended for aging. They're not collector wines. So you know, that is the majority of wine that is consumed by everyday enthusiasts globally. Um, you know, in, so that's a broad comment. And then I guess getting into styles, you can see sparkling wine, white, rosé, red, different types of grape varieties. So it's a really great way for wineries to show um, diversity in a whole bunch of different types of styles and from different producers, whether it's from BC or beyond. Wow, it sounds yeah, like definitely uh, such a such a great way of doing it, marketing and getting it out. Like you said, drink Absolutely. now wines. So sounds like this will be expanded. Do you think we're going to see more of these uh, restaurants and places offering this up? Well, in light of the reasons I've mentioned above and more, I, I believe so. You know, just getting back to the quality proposition. Um, one thing I didn't mention is wine can stay really fresh in kegs for a long time, can be stored for a period of time. The tap wine is kept anaerobically in kegs. That is, nitrogen is often um, kept on top and the kegs are kept in a fridge. So this prevents oxidization and keeps wine really fresh. Um, it, so the whether it's the first glass out of a keg or the last glass out of a keg, it's going to taste consistent. And from the people I've spoken to who are pouring out of tap, you know, there's generally no faults. So, you know, from a business proposition and produce and displaying product to market, um, it seems like a really great way to do that for day-to-day -day restaurant um, and bar drinking um, and tasting and exploring. So, you know, I'll just make that general comment in terms of freshness and quality of wine and diversity of wine. So, um, but getting back to your, you know, your question, uh, you know, we're going to see more of it in the future. I believe so for, for those reasons, for variety. 
um, costs again, economies of scale. I, I think that bars and restaurants might start having more wine on tap and keg systems as part of their general fit outs and offering to the market when they're first getting started. Um, I have just read actually that there's a new cocktail, uh, cocktail tap house in Vancouver that's open the first of its kind. So it's not only going to be in wine, but it's, it's spreading through libations. So I think we're going to see it in restaurants and bars. And also for those who like to wine travel and wine explorer going to visit wineries, this could be something that's adopted in tasting room experiences. For example, I've been reading about some uh, wineries in, I think it's Napa Valley, United States, who are starting to talk about um, having in their tasting rooms wine come out of keg and tap instead of bottles. If you think about it, that wine is made on site at a winery. Mm -hmm. And rather than bottle and unbottle and pour, you know, just for a, a taste, a consumer to taste, seems like a lot of extra steps that they don't need to use, of course, except for wines that are going to be aged for a long time. But wines that are meant to be consumed you know, within a couple of years, for example, um, you know, I think that's going to be a trend. So I think in broad terms, yes, you know, look out for it. Look out for kegs. I think you, you'll you probably see more of them. All right. And you mentioned the new cocktail tap house. Uh, do you have other examples or places where they are serving up the wine on tap? Absolutely. So, uh, you know, in the lower mainland in Vancouver, uh, where I'm based much of the time, um, and for our listening public, one great spot that I love uh, for tap wine, um, wine on tap, is Provence Marina Side and um, Marina Side in Yaletown. And they have 48 taps right now of wine. So talk about an ability to go somewhere and, and choose from a wide flight. Um, Josh Carlson, the wine director at Provence, has been a great leader in this. And, um, you know, that's one I can recommend for people to try if they're in the downtown area and they've got great happy hours and bites as well. Um, Urban Winery in Railtown in Vancouver, uh, if you're familiar with that, or with Belgard Kitchen, which is a res uh, restaurant as part of that. Urban Winery has also a ta great tap system, a lot of BC wines as well, um, which you can explore, and it's a really funky, uh, funky place to, to check out. And for tap and barrel, the uh, tap and barrel locations around um, the Lower Mainland, uh, they have tap as well. Those are just a few examples, but you know there are a lot more. And if it's something you're interested in learning about, you know you can go in and just pay attention to menus, and often they're marked or or, or just ask. All right, great advice. Really interesting to see how that's changing. Tanya, as always, so lovely to talk with you, and we will talk to you again soon. I'm really looking forward to it. Have a great weekend, Jill. Thanks for having me back on.